Hi, welcome to the Mama Advocate Podcast. This is a safe place for adoptive and special needs mamas to feel less alone and find community amidst their unconventional journeys. Here, you're going to find authentic conversations from me and my guest who are parenting fully in the weeds with you. Our goal is to empower and encourage you to be the best mama you can be as you advocate for your people. Hello, everybody. I'm excited to have Lynn here with us today. I think that she's so talented and she has a gift about her, about being able to explain to kiddos about their disabilities. Her son has dyslexia and they work together to co-author a book about dyslexia that makes it so simple to understand and just very childlike analogy. And I, I loved it so much. And so Lynn, I'm so excited that you're here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah. Okay. Can you kind of tell us about, well, tell us a little bit about yourself, but then tell us about your journey with dyslexia with your son. Sure. Um, I am a, a happy wife, mom, grandma. Um, John is my youngest of four. Um, so I I um, knew right away uh, that, you know, he was learning a little differently um, and we can get into that. But um, yeah, I'm a retired lawyer. I uh, had a cookie business for a while and now I'm, I, now I'm an author and um, John and I co-authored this children's book and uh, he's also the wonderful illustrator for the book. So that's a little bit of our story. I mean, it's so fun. Well, I, I need to ask you a question about your cookie business because <laughs> that's a fun fact. What kind of cookies did you make? Um, chocolate chip are my specialty, but I did all kinds of cookies and bars kind of thing, sort of quick and um, easy things that people could serve. So um, chocolate chip, uh, peanut butter, you know, all over the all over the oatmeal, you name it. I'm just really in the mood for cookies today. So I'm glad we talked about it for a minute. I'm like, what in the world? I'm always okay. in, a, in a sweets kind of mood. So I hear you. <laughs> That's a problem for me. Um, okay. So Let's talk about how did you kind of figure this out? Because I know that at least in my parenting journey, there have been several times where I'm like, something's not quite adding up here, like what they're learning and how they're processing things. Um, And several times I've gone and thought, okay, it's dyslexia, but it turned out not to be dyslexia. It turned out to be a different learning disability. So kind of what were your clues and where did you go to kind of get answers? So, um, you know, John is now 24, so we're talking, you know, 20 plus years ago. And um, for me, my older kids are are much older. So I had a sense, even though every child learns differently, I just had a sense of what the normal sort of cues for learning how to read are. And John was not meeting any of those. I could tell he was super smart because at a very young age, about three, he could tell me every the Thomas the Tank Engine and uh, the name, but not that Thomas started with the letter T. So I kind of had a feeling something was up. He didn't want to watch Sesame Street or sing the ABC song. So I started investigating. Um, you know, I had no experience with uh, understanding dyslexia. So I started uh, trying to find out a little bit about it. I have a very good friend who's a pediatrician. We started talking about it. And then even though his teachers were being very negative about him, um, telling me that he was a boy and slow, I just knew that wasn't right. And so I finally found the name of someone who would do the testing. And sure enough, 
classic dyslexic, super smart, uh, but needed to learn differently. What was that journey like on trying to figure out how, like, how do they learn differently? How can we educate them despite kind of how we differ in our learning styles? So for John, uh, I, even the learning specialist at the school told me that she could not really help him. So we investigated uh, other other ways for him to learn. And we came upon very fortunately a wonderful school, uh, which was about 45 minutes away called the Windward School. And, and they teach children with dyslexia or other language-based learning issues. And they use the Orton-Gillingham method. Um, which has been so successful for not only John, but every other child I know who has been through their doors. And uh, they have a multi-sensory approach. And it was so effective. And it was really just a wonderful place for him to be remediated and then to find his superpower, which I think every dyslexic has. Love that. Um, can you kind of explain the Orton, Orton Gillingham, right? Yes. Yes. I always fear I'm going to say it wrong every time I say it. Um, can you explain that method? Because we've we've tried that so, with several of our little people and done the multisensory with the letters and all of the things. But what is kind of the what's the actual method of like get, getting their brains to fire in the right spot when you're teaching them this? So um, for John, he had uh, they they insist no matter how many years you've been teaching uh, there is a one teacher and one assistant, and that assistant can't become a teacher there and for two years, no matter what their background is. Um, there were only six children for those two teachers. So it's a very hands-on approach. And they do sort of a they they um they write things, they skywrite things. They do like, you know, the foam sort of manipulating things. So it's like a three-pronged approach and they are very repetitive. They keep going over and over in these reading, writing, you know, um, different ways of approaching that. And uh, because of the set ways they learn, they would, once the kids started to learn to read and write, they would um, then have them write in, they started teaching them to write in cursive because they feel that that's an important uh, way to manipulate. And when they got a little older and could write like a paper, they had a very rigid approach so that the kids could learn how to write a, how to write a paper. So it's a very, definitely um, a very programmed approach. Uh, that they feel, you know, really is works for the children. And then once the children have learned and go on to other institutions, uh, you know, other schools, then they can sort of tailor that approach to their needs. But it's a very systematic way of teaching the children that has been so successful. Hey, let's take a quick break. Mama, I know that you are doing a great job, but maybe there's something you've been neglecting like yourself or your marriage, the rest of your family or the systems in your home, or maybe you're just ready for a change, but you don't know where to start. That's where we come in. Mama Systems can help you put systems in place so that your family is more organized, more peaceful, and more balanced. And so that you feel like you can get everything done that you need to get done during the day. We'll help make sure that you have a plan to advocate for your child in school and in the community that you take care of yourself, your marriage, 
and the rest of your family, and that you have systems in place to help build teamwork mentality in your home and make daily life more manageable. All of this is doable and you deserve it, Mama. Check out mamasystems.net today. All right, back to our show. Um, I'm curious, do they have to stay in this program for all of elementary or all of middle school, or is it just whenever they start to click and get things on their own? So to get into this particular school, they have to completely just, um, you know, on paper be classified as dyslexic or have a language-based learning issue. You can't just apply and get in. You have to have the testing to back it up. And um, I'm trying to find the right words, but once they are allowed in, Mm-hmm. Um, they keep the classes so small so that they can teach the children. So they really have to find the right niche for these kids. And it, it's been very successful that way. But it starts in first grade with a tiny class and ends in ninth, ninth grade with a tiny class. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bulk of the children are in like third and fourth grade um, because that seems to be when a lot of the testing is done. Um, but John entered in second grade and you only need to stay there for as long as they feel you need to be remediated. And then after that, no matter what, whenever you leave or graduate, you can go on to whatever kind of school works best. A lot of kids go to public school. Some go to other private. Um, you know, John went to another private school because we felt for him, he could read and write and do, uh, really any any of the tests that he needed to but he's a very artistic kid which is how he originally when he couldn't read and write how he expressed himself so we wanted him to be able to continue to do that you know as evidenced by the book Um, but he went to a school that is really for the arts and uh, he he loved it he could he could do uh, his art and he was with other people who are artists and musicians and actors and actresses and uh it was a really special place for him i love that i love that you've been able to harness that gifting that he has and kind of figure out his superpower yeah i'm curious about i don't know how to say this i guess how would you encourage mothers because it is such a big commitment like the school you found was 45 minutes away um i know people in my area will drive to scottish right which is like an hour away uh-huh. They'll find a tutor and they're forking out money. It doesn't necessarily, all the schools don't necessarily have great dyslexia programs, but there's 30 million people in the U.S. that have dyslexia. Is that correct? As far as I know, yes, I, I the, a huge segment of the population. And I, I think, you know, we made a family decision, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't inexpensive, um, but we decided, you know, as a family, we were going to, you know, eat peanut butter and jelly and, you know, make this work. Um, my older kids were supportive, obviously my husband, um, because I wasn't home as much. Um, but I think, I honestly believe that we have a problem because the public schools are just not really equipped to handle teaching learning differences. And a lot of it falls on the parents to wow. figure out how to get what their child might need. I think that there are 
you know, teachers have too many students in their classroom. They can't really uh, understand what each child needs. And, and even if they could, they're not often trained to do so. And I think that's a problem. And I think even the learning differences, the teachers who do that, there's so many under that umbrella of learning difference that they're not always equipped to handle teaching different methods to different children. And I think it's, it's a, it's a job for the parents to try to figure out what their child needs. And, you know, I do believe that the bulk of it falls on the parents to, to listen to their child, um, their, their verbal cues and their nonverbal cues to see kind of what their children need and to investigate as much as possible. Yeah. And then there's the further step of like, then having to advocate for those things and. Oh, a hundred percent. But would you say it's worth it? All the nights of peanut butter and jelly? Yes. Is it worth it? 100%. I think John is amazing and successful. He's very empathetic because of what he went through and the negative uh, feelings that a lot of people gave him, and including a lot of those teachers. Um, but he is, it's been worth, it was worth every penny because he is so successful. Now he's in graduate school for his art. We wrote this wonderful book. Uh, he's an enthusiastic reader and writer, so uh, it, it was a hundred percent the right thing to do for us for him. I love that. Well, can you tell us a little bit about your book, Robbie, the Dyslexic Taxi and the Airport Adventure? Can you tell us about that? Robbie is here. Yes. So during COVID, um, you know, like everybody, we're we're all at home. Um, <laughs> Hi there. <laughs> um, we were home. John was home from school. He was an art major in college. And there was a, you know, it's very hard to do art virtually. So he had time, you know, he was doing all what that he needed to for school, but then he also really had time on his hands and he was doing his own artwork. And at the same time, I was also reading on FaceTime to my grandchildren. So we started talking about, eh, let's write a kid's book. And uh, what would we write about? Well, we certainly know about dyslexia and how how could we translate that? And gosh, what if there was a taxi uh, who needed to go somewhere but couldn't read the street signs? And that's exactly what happened. So our our talking back and forth grew into this book. And Robbie, the main character, um, is tasked to to take someone to their usual place of work. And then all of a sudden finds out he needs to go to the airport and he doesn't know how to go. So how he has to figure out how to do that. And so creative, he, he figures it out. And that's the story. I think that's such a gift to be able to have that for your kiddos and have it explained in such a way that we, I can relate to and talk to them about and, um, really bring to life their struggles, but also how they can harness that into something beautiful. And that's often a struggle of mine is explaining, I have a kiddo with autism and then I have three with FASD and trying to explain what's going on in their brain and that maybe they learn differently. Like all of that, is, it feels like such a big thing to unpack with them. And I don't feel like there are tools out there for that. So I don't think there are. And and John really, when we started really doing this, 
we thought, you know what, there's nothing really out there for children who they can't see themselves in so much of the so many of the kids books. And we thought that's that's a shame. And um, we've had such a positive response. You know, we've had book signings where children will come up and say, you know, thank you. I never saw myself. And so, uh, you know, in a book and. Now we realize that we not only reach children who are dyslexic, but their classmates who might not understand it or parents who need to be able to explain it to teachers who are trying to understand it and and explain it. And we've had so much success that we are actually starting to write a whole series uh, under the label Creative Cab Company where Robbie works and we're going to deal with other neurodivergent issues so we're very excited about that. Well, I'm excited about that. What Thank what you. else is on the docket? Like what's coming up? Well, the next one we're working on uh, has children who have ADHD because, mm-hmm. you know, as you know, the so many of the uh, learning differences sort of cross cross each other's paths. And we certainly know quite a few dyslexics, John included, who also has ADHD. So we figured that would be a great segue. Yeah. What, are there other comorbidities with dyslexia besides ADHD? Um, you know, for different children, there are. There are other, other dyses. There are dyscalculia, dysgraphia. Um, some some people, even though they haven't quite prove, proved it, I feel that there are some medical things, like a lot of children who are dyslexic might have mm. sort of um, GI kind of related things. That's a little tougher to prove. But there are definitely um, definitely other things like I know quite a few who don't really, you know, know how to add and subtract very well. And uh, so so they're definitely aligned with uh, dyslexics are aligned with other, uh, you know, learning differences. For those that don't know dysgraphia and dyscalculia, can you explain those really quick? Um, Dysgraphia is, you know, difficulty with writing, dyscalculia is difficulty with math. That's the the basic easy way to say it is because I don't I don't know enough about it to give you the medical terms. That's, that's okay, that's okay. Um, but it, I always kind of lump them all together as well. So I think that's, yes. that's all good the <laughs> uh, well. This has been such an honor. I'm so grateful for you coming on and for you writing the book and you guys working so hard to make it a fun fun tool for parents and teachers and kids. And thank you. Uh, what, what a blessing! I'm excited to see. When other things come out, we'll have to have you back on so you can share. Thank you you so much. It's really been wonderful. And if, you know, people are interested in in reaching out, we have a wonderful website, the Creative Cab Company. We're on social media as the Creative Cab Company. Um, You know, there are places to reach us if you have questions or would like to know. They can buy the book on Amazon or if they go into the bookstores and they don't have them there, they can ask and they can be ordered. So we're really hoping to reach as many people as possible because we think it's we've seen it's been such a positive message. So and and doing podcasts like this. Thank you for having me. John says to say hello. Well, hello. I know he should have been on, too. We should have had a party next time. Yeah, he's um he's like I said, he's at grad school. So we'd love to be able to come on uh, another time together. Yeah, that would be great. Um, thank you so much, Lynn. Thank you for having me. Take care. Hey, I'm so glad that you joined us today. If this episode blessed you at all, would you mind leaving a review or sharing with others? This, as you know, 
will help other mamas find us and in turn will bless them. Hey, thanks so much for trusting us with your time today.